Broadcasting from Ireland, featuring interviews with some of the biggest names in magic. Welcome to the Deceit Reality Podcast with your hosts, David Peace and Steve Spade. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks so much for being here, for everyone watching. And hello, Mario. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. We really appreciate it. Yeah, I feel so honored to be here, man. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, man, how are you? Absolutely. So, we always start off at the beginning about how people get into magic and that sort of stuff. But with you, it's interesting. And I'd like to ask how you got into robotics and that, that side of things, because I think it's very different in the magic world. Yeah, um, uh, I just I, I'm just obsessed with automatons, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. the first time I heard the history of magic, I got into magic when, in my late 20s, 20, early 20s. And uh the idea of having an object where it does something and you're not touching it is a very powerful idea to me where like I can walk away from the table and then it's moving or it's doing something, you know? Um, uh, so that fascination was how the ball started rolling with uh, Robert Houdin and magicians like that, creating these uh, robotic elements, you know, that uh, create magic, you know? Um, but anyway, it's, you know, I I got into magic and the robots were separate for a long time. It took years until I integrated them. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Definitely. Because it's definitely, it's like a throwback to the old time, as you're saying, the Robert Houdans and all the classic magics and even like the orange tree and that sort of illusions. And then, uh, but adding in the like kids mixed to it and like having like faces and eyes and all that sort of (laughs) stuff, it, it really is like a... Of like TV kid show come to the stage is the only way I can think of it. Yeah, I mean that's you know um, I yeah. grew up in an area where you know skateboarding was very important, uh, punk rock music was very important. It, it got me through my teen years, so it, it was it's a very childlike thing that I brought into my adult life where you know it's like that whole spirit of never growing up you know uh so i i'm kind of like a natural kids performer before even i was a performer it's just i'm kind of like that rebellious punk rock just like dan sperry you guys had dan sperry <laughs> on here you know it's just that kind of rebellious fun attitude and uh and then the big the big takeaway for me really is showcasing how everything works like exposing all the electronics explaining to kids about coding and how to mm-hmm. get into 3d printing you know this stuff is this stuff is very important there's one guy there he is he's him. that's it's so cool the way that you've kind of brought exactly you mean so many performers kind of start up they think they have to be you know copperfield or david blaine or whatever but you are very much unique to you and i think people who kind of like uh, can push the the art of magic for, forward are people who are kind of true to themselves like an artist, you know? Yeah, that's really well said. Yeah, I mean, for me, um, like I said, ever since my teenage years, like being me is what's most important, you know? So like, so so having this like image of one of my custom robots on my shirt, having this robot next to me, it builds my confidence. It, it I feel at home, you know? And when I feel at home, I perform stronger, you know? So I always talk about that in my lectures, like, who are you and why are you here? If you can define those things before you perform, it can create a lot of powerful moments in your show, you know? So, so for me, it's surrounding myself for my love of art and, and speaking about artists that, that I ad- admire during my show um, uh, really makes me feel like at least I'm, I'm, I'm hopefully educating and inspiring kids so that they go home 
and make ridiculous machines like me, you know? <laughs> definitely. It's definitely unique, man. You know, there's, there's no way that people are going to be doing the same thing, you know, in the virtual world now, everyone seems to be performing the same stuff. And, you know, it, it's kind of a, a repetition thing. But people like Robert Houdin, you mentioned, I mean, everyone didn't have an orange tree at that time, and it became yeah. a solid piece of his, his repertoire. Yeah, totally. And like, and, and it's a, it's a struggle because I can't do all robots in my show. And so I'm paying attention, like all the other magicians too. like, what are, what is working really strong on zoom right now? So I have like, I have like Dan Harlan's vortex. I have like the matrix card here. So in case I start losing the audience with my robots and education, I can swing to visual, you know, so it is, it's a balancing act, you know, just like any other performance, you know, you're just, the goal is to maintain interest and inspire. And you guys know that. You guys do that all the time. So, you know. <laughs> You've mentioned educate a lot when you're talking about the show. And how much, how do you find the balance between just doing tricks to, enter to entertain versus educate? Do you find the balance that difficult or lean one way or the other? Yeah, I mean, I just, I had a series of a couple rough shows, maybe like eight, ten years ago. And it was a turning point for me because everything I was doing was just store-bought stuff, not understanding the core principles of magic, not understanding that getting into magic is like playing a musical instrument. You learn the verse, you learn the chorus, and then you write your own song, you know? So like, that's the goal here. So once we learn those core principles, man, then you can use your imagination and then start rocking like original stuff, you know? So everything in my show looks crazy, but honestly, these are all built on core principles of magic and ventriloquism, you know? So, so I'm not, I, I, I'm masking it. It looks crazy, but actually the bits are there. Hippity hop rabbits, stratosphere. These things that we're familiar with are built into the structures here in a, you know, in a, in a, in a way that I feel confident in and, and that I admire and love. Of, you know cool it seems to be like just as strong you know the science of it is just as strong as the as the, of the, as the magic you know there seems to be like a perfect balance there of, of of both it's cool man yeah yeah and that's the struggle every show you know and steve you know too like you take your notes you watch the audience you're like how do i sharpen this how do i rock this better and especially the past 10 months like it's night and day, like learning virtual stuff, right? It's like, hmm. it, it, it's like we're we're all like in a cocoon, like learning to explode again and become butterflies, you know. Like, so it's been a fun year figuring out, like, uh, rebuilding my robots for this, uh, you know, this uh, this format, you know. Definitely, and when when you were performing, you a lot of magicians go with the kids style and then start off with kids shows and then might move on have you explored other areas or was once you started performing for kids was you're like this is the right area yeah that's a great question david so like when i first got into magic i was 22 i went to a magic club kids magic is looked down upon you know in our industry yeah. all the time it's an undervalued thing it's something that's a stepping stone to most magicians um uh and i fell in that trap too like i wanted to be like copperfield david blaine early on i i tried to do my best in front of an all-adult audience and i sucked you know like <laughs> I, I bombed like every show and then i'm like getting mad at myself for two years like why am i why do i love this art form so much and why am i not connecting you know and i had to mm -hmm. Um, surrender 
the audience creates the performer, you know, and there's a surrender there that you have to do, you know, and when, yeah. and I had to, it was a hard choice, that, you know, but, but that year that I made that choice, that was the first year I paid my rent doing what I love. You know, that was the first year I started singing my own song, you know, like learning how to incorporate everything I love into my show, but I had to surrender what I thought I wanted but actually there was something bigger there that I had, you know, sometimes we get trapped, we get like this hyper-focused thing and uh, we got to be flexible with the details of our dreams. You know, we got to be flexible with them. You know, you, you definitely become an artist when, when you really kind of, you know, surrender to that and really be who you are. You know what I mean? There's no point if, if it's not who you are, you'll never be a, a good you know, replica of, of something else. You have to be true to yourself. And I think you see that with, with artists and especially the people we've had on the podcast, they're all people in the top of their field. And I mean, they've all said the same thing that when they kind of realize who they were and they put a bit of like other sides of art into their magic, then they became who, who they really are. Yeah, 100 percent, Steve. And like, you know, this too, like you, you never judge a performer by one show, you know, because the audience is always yeah. different. Your owns have to restructure and be flexible. And that's something else I had to learn after I found what my purpose was, was realizing like, that's just the beginning, man. You know, like So now it's like I'm totally growing again. Like I feel like I'm 22 again, like learning Zoom learning how flexible can we be. Um, uh, so it is definitely like um, a continual thing, you know, but I don't know if you ever saw the movie uh, Jiro Dreams of Sushi. It's on Netflix. It's about um, uh, someone who has a sushi restaurant in Japan and he's like 85 and he still has happiness every morning making the same sushi, you know, like I love that, you yeah. know, and, and that's the goal. Like I just that I grow old in this and that the joy continues, you know. Yeah, I think Copperfield is, is one of those names that really stands out for that. You know, he can do the same show repeatedly yeah. for 20 plus years and it's still, he still wants to get up in the morning and do it, you know, regardless. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Matt King too, you know, like yeah. these guys. Yeah, yeah, it's true. So, so yeah, so that's where I'm at now. You guys want to see what I'm working on right now? 100%. <laughs> this is I'm not I don't even know if it's going to work. I don't even know if it's going to work. But let me just try this out. I'm building. Um, <laughs> this is great. This is live, right? So this is going to be fun. All right. So let's hey, see. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, let me see if this works. Let me see if I can check it out. It's it's a. Uh, uh oh. Let me see. Let me see. There we go. Uh oh. Give me one sec here. I'm going to. It's a it's a live show, but I want to show. Um, one second here. It's worth the wait if it works. There it is. <laughs> This is actually a robot that climbs on a rope. It's a rope climbing <laughs> robot. <laughs> so this is, this is going to be something I'm going to use in my Zoom shows. Um, but it's all 3D printed. You know, it's all uh, I spent a week just trying to get the measurements right so I could hang on the string and so that the movements works with the, you know, with this whole uh, circle here with with the disc. And, mm -hmm. uh, and finding the balance where to put this hook, you know, it's a lot of problem solving. But now that it's done, you know, now I can start having fun. Like what is, maybe there's a prediction that like, you know, goes across the screen. I don't know yet, you know, um, but you utilizing, know, yeah. yeah. Uh, just when I saw it coming in there, you know, the, the old fashioned applause card, that'd be awesome, you know? Yes, exactly. <laughs> something like, something like that, where the audience reads it, they know how to react. And I'm, I'm like confused. Like what, how do you guys know to applaud here? You know, that kind of thing. So I'm yeah, trying to figure cool. out, but anyway, um, that's the goal, man. You know, like I, f I saw a YouTube video of, of uh, someone making one of these. And I was like, damn, there's something here with Zoom 
and this mm -hmm. robot and magic that doesn't exist yet. So like, I don't know where this is going to go, but maybe in two weeks it'll be in my Zoom show. Maybe it'll get thrown out, you know, but the idea is like, you got to follow your gut. Like when you see something that inspires you, chase after it, even if you don't know how to make it yet, just there's a reason you're feeling that kind of thing, you know? So yeah, I've this is what I got going on. If you learn if you learn magic out of a book, you always give it your own twist or whatever. But if you watch like a DVD, sometimes you can fall into a kind of a cloning of that performer or whatever. Yeah. And with stuff that you make yourself and you create yourself and in my case, like escapes and stuff and different ideas, you can take little ideas and like almost like you said, like um, like playing an instrument. You've got all the chords, but it's yeah. up to you to yeah. make, you know, the, 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 the full, you know, the tempo and everything else to make it unique into you so yeah i mean it's, it's very cool to to kind of dabble into different art forms to make your own art stronger definitely 100 yeah. and like you know it's it's uh it's a struggle too because like you don't want to copy directly it's a balance you know so you yeah. so you constantly tinker and twist and tweak and um uh and then you know you hope that you create some type of signature thing that like people remember you know uh but right now for me with my zoom shows I'm just trying to, um, you know, be, you know, get the laughs, you know, uh, show a little magic. And then what's my ending? What's my takeaway? Like something that just like they leave with where they maybe make something at home, you know, whether it's with cardboard or tape or, you know, some type of, you know, so that's, that's the format. And I, and I know a lot of magicians, you know, that are watching and listening here. We're all like right now in this weird time warp thing you know like trying to reinvent ourselves but that's what's exciting man you know it's like there's like this theater is being evolved in a new direction that's never been evolved before you know and we have to take a step back and appreciate that and now now some props that you bought that you were like i'm never going to use this you'll be like okay it didn't suit me on stage or it didn't suit me close up yeah. but it does work in zoom or whatever you know so it's yeah nice. Exactly. So, so I was in, I was in England for South Tyneside Magic Festival and you know, the magician Olmac, I yeah. don't know if you know Olmac, dude, he's like crazy genius legend. He gave me one of these little suitcases and I thought nothing of it. I was like, thanks Olmac. You know, I put it away. Dude, this is the opening of my Zoom show. This is the most important <laughs> little suitcase right now. You know, so like, yeah. um, uh, you just don't know, you know, you just don't know, you know, so like, you got to use what you have kind of thing. So I, I always shout out all Mac and thank him for the opening of my show. Because now look, this little suitcase on a Zoom screen becomes a stage piece. Like, look at that, you know, like right yeah. away. I mean, look, like it's like a real suitcase. You see the clips opening. <laughs> You know, yeah, like, see anything in there? Look at that. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> That's so clever. I suppose being being a creative type magician as well, and you're always creating stuff, you obviously, like, don't throw away anything. Because, I mean, I, I have a habit of just having random stuff everywhere. And my girlfriend's like, I'll, I'll be like, you can touch that matchbox. You can throw that in the bin, but you can't throw that one in the bin. And it just, <laughs> it just becomes one of those weird things. Now she's kind of scared to touch anything. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I, dude, we're totally alike, man. I mean, look at me. I got like a used jumbo toothbrush, you know, like that I use every show now. You know, I've had that for like 10 years. I don't know. <laughs> how, how much did you have to change from your, your, your like stage show for a live audience to Zoom? Because I know that's a transition that a lot of performers that are actual stage performers initially, because I think close up guys or guys that are more used to that kind of stuff can maybe transition a bit quicker. But if you're used to being on stage in front of a live audience, well, then it's a big it's a big jump. Yeah, you said it, Steve. It's a big jump. And like the first three weeks definitely sucked. You know, like I was 
I was uh, March, you know, that month of March. Um, so what did I do? I I refused to do any magic online. So I grabbed my guitar and I I went to Facebook Live. I told parents to, and kids to watch. Kids were commenting funny words. And I just did a punk rock dance party on Facebook Live. And it, I, I had no idea who was watching. It was only 15 minutes. Um, uh, I, I don't have that many followers on Facebook, you know. But anyway, from that little 15-minute Zoom thing, uh, two uh, national companies contacted me. And they're what kept my house afloat, our business, our car payments. That week, they hired me. And if I never did that, I don't know what would have happened, you know. So, yeah. so that's what I'm saying. Like, you got to go with your gut because I could have went with just the magic like I normally do, but in my gut, I was like, I don't feel like it, you know. Like, so I grabbed the guitar, and uh, and it was a blessing. So now my guitar is in my show every Zoom show. We do dance parties with the kids. We rock out punk rock style, air guitar fun. Um, now when we go back to live again, I don't know. I I kind of want to bring the guitar, you know. So my show has to change, you know. Yeah, hundred percent, man. Bring the guitar, rock on, always. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Right now. Yes. <laughs> be, uh, it'll go full rock show at the end. There'll be no magic. It'll just be kid kid rock star. And just, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's that's, that's the way it. to go. <laughs> You've got to make a robot that, that, that can play the guitar. Here's, here's one. Yes, that's right. I need some type of like headbanging robot or something that comes out. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> One of the things someone sent to us beforehand, uh, Daniel uh, asked us, what, do, what outside of magic inspires your creativity? You mentioned some artists and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. What sort of names jump into your mind? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you know, uh, Alexander Calder. You know, look up Calder Circus on YouTube. You know, uh, I, his art and the way, the simplicity of his sculptures are powerful. And, you know, look up Andy Warhol, you know, the idea of taking brands that everyone is familiar with and creating art with that so that the whole world connects with you now and the brand. You know, you're piggybacking on things that we're all familiar with. It's a powerful tool of how to become recognized, you know. So check out Andy Warhol, Alexander Calder. Um, uh and if you check out makezine.com, that's Make uh, Magazine. Uh, that's how I got into robotics, you know. Uh, so makezine.com always updates with articles about makers around the world that are making clever things. Um, what's so exciting is that manufacturing has come to the home. You know, we can buy a 3D printer for $200, you know, a CNC machine, a laser engraver, you know. Um, so, so that kind of stuff, the sooner you get into it, the better. I have a kit it's called the Chomper Bot. It's on. It's on Makershed.com. It's it's a it's a box a robot magic trick for kids and adults. But that's how. I, if you want to get into Arduino, you know it comes with it with the servos. Exactly what I do in my show. Um, I, I'm shamelessly plugging, but the truth. I'm trying to say that um, the reason why I'm plugging it in is because. It's never, you're never too old to get into this, okay? Yeah. And I've had people write me that are in their 70s, late 70s, for the first time programming, you know? And the excitement they had of watching this thing chomp, you know? So so I'm just saying, this is just another tool you can add to your tool shed when you start creating. Definitely. That's definitely, and that, I think that answers the second question we got sent in, which was, uh, do you have any online resource for robotics you would recommend? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if you, have a, if you have a pen and paper, if you want to comment, check out sparkfun.com. Check out 
adafruit.com, adafruit.com. That's where I buy all my electronics. These are all DIY electronic component kits that you can put together at home and and start building uh, uh, things that move, you know? Yeah. Definitely. I'm sure with, with like very unique props and things that you've made, have have magicians approached you to make stuff for their shows or for TV or anything like that? All the time. <laughs> <laughs> when you, I knew that answer. I, I knew the answer before I asked it. I don't. The problem is, Steve, <laughs> I got burned. I got burned early on where I made stuff. And I'm great at making stuff. You know, like this is awesome. But what people don't know is that three days a week, I'm repairing stuff. You know, so like, so my I'm a, I'm like the prototype king. Like I can make a killer prototype, but as a product where someone else is going to use, I've gotten myself in in a in a in a mess where like I had to repair and repair. So right now the thing that I do is I will totally help you build something. I will give you the set list of what to buy. I'll even FaceTime you if I know you, and we'll build it together. And I've done that for like three or four magicians this year, where mm -hmm. they never got into robotics. And we built it together online with Zoom. And it was so much more rewarding, you know? And that's like kind of the spirit of the whole thing anyway, you know? Yeah. You value something a lot more as well if you actually – it's like a skill-based thing. If you actually learn how to do it instead of buying a gimmick that's going to do it for you, you know, you're going to have a way more respect for that for that prop or that effect or that – that, that piece will become a signature piece because you put the blood, sweat, and tears into it. But exactly, Steve. And you know that you do that. You know, that's the same idea. Like, you know, that's the goal is the appreciation of your props, you know, the appreciation of everything. So this shirt, I've been wearing it for five days. It stinks, but I don't care because I'm on Zoom and I'm and it's what I love. And the position of this is perfect. And I and, and there's a reason, you know, um, so I'm just saying that, like, yeah. I'm saying exactly what you're saying. It's just important to to do what you love and make it yourself in some sense or have some touch of it from yourself so that you appreciate it, you know, 100%. Yeah, awesome. I definitely think everybody falls into that trap of like, I always used to think I would be dark and mysterious on stage. And now I'm like, realize that I'm actually quite camp on stage. So <laughs> it's, it didn't really work out that well. Uh, so it, it is about just being yourself. And also... Yeah. I think the thing with kids performing, because when I first met my wife, she was like, you should do more kids parties. And then yeah. I, we were at a wedding and there was a kids magician so that we know who's really good. And I was like, yeah, we watch this show. And afterwards she went, yeah, you can't do that. So I think <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's a great story. You got to know your limitations. And that's like me. Like, I still try to do shows with all adult audiences and I still relearn the same lesson like you you just got to know what you're good at you know and and accept what you're not good at you know because yeah. you, you know you don't and that, and, that, and that makes sense david i totally respond to that 100 percent. yeah yeah definitely so you mentioned, what, you mentioned some of the creation what's what's your favorite thing you ever created i i know it's probably is it is it the monkey that you designed <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i love marcel because the, the monkey i built was the first real um robot creation where i could walk away from it and it does something and what's so cool about marcel is that it doesn't do a single magic trick it's just a monkey trying to put a ball in a little can you know so it's three minutes of theater three minutes of me suffering on stage trying to sell this inanimate object you know and uh so it's kind of like a you know do you guys have routines like that where you have to work extra hard to sell it but you kind of need that <laughs> so that to make it exciting for you you know yeah yeah Escapology, yeah. man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Definitely. There's yeah, yeah. like our, our little babies that we love in the audience. 
they we know they will love us, but they just have right. to come with us to get there. <laughs> you gotta like you gotta climb a little extra, you know, to get there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah very cool. And and when you when you're deciding like between the, the, the robotics of it and the magic trick, where where do you, like do you dig into the classics like thinking chop cup and thinking all those things and then working backwards or are you thinking robot first and then what trick can I add to this? Yeah, that's a great question. Honestly, and I bet you guys have the same answer, both of you guys. Um, uh, I, I, I have to find the ending first. You know, If I can think of a powerful ending of a trick or routine, and, uh, and then I know I'm golden. You know, I've, I've yeah. wasted a lot of time building something that I thought was cool. And then I didn't have the proper ending ever, you know. Um, but then goes to show, you know, something like this. I don't have an ending yet. But I don't care because, you know, my show's not dependent on it. So I can have fun, you know. So there's that too. But definitely that gut feeling thing, like when you see something that you know is a fresh idea, if you mix something together, you know, you, you start tinkering, you know. Um, uh, but, yeah, so Marcel is an evolution of that. You know, the idea of the, the street performer with the crank organ and the monkey, that kind of thing always inspired yeah. me, you know. Um, and, uh, and the lamp you know, the little lamp I have in my Penguin Lecture, it's a robot lamp. That's inspired by like Pixar, you know, the Pixar yeah. lamp, the same idea. Um, funny story with the lamp. Uh, during the routine, I don't know if you saw it, but the light switch, the lamp turns itself back on, you know, during the show. Yeah. And I turn the switch off. Like that was the reason I built it. Because when I saw that bit on a YouTube video from some engineer who's not a performer, I was like, oh my gosh, that's a that's a performance piece. You know, that's not a, a thesis. That's not a, you know, ending to a college degree. This is, you know, so I took that and I ran with it. You know, I took that and ran with it. Yeah. It's cool as well. It probably gives the kids this idea that, you know, when you when you go to bed at night and you turn off all the lights, maybe everything comes back alive by itself. It, it does. It, does <laughs> it has that kind of weird mystery kind of yeah. feel. Start yeah. questioning. Fucking the kettle is, is working by itself. What's going on? You know? Yeah, that's the goal. And like, you know, Steve, honestly, like I spent so many years where like I was hoarding all my material and I'm like afraid of people copying, afraid of like all this stuff. This is the first year and a half where I'm like, you know what? Screw it. Like, like life is short. Like I'm going to put it out there. And I, it was scary at first, but now I don't even care. Like, like if this was three years ago, I would have never shown you guys this. I would have been like hiding it. Like, I don't know. I want it to be done. What if like, someone copies me? But now I'm realizing, like, the more I share stuff, the more there's room in my brain to create new stuff, you know, if that makes sense. It's like you hoard all these things and then you just you're, you're not create you're not creating anything. And so it's it's this mantra that I've been just doing lately, you know, just kind of surrendering. David, I mean, pe people that are creative, it doesn't matter what you are, if it's a musician or whatever else, you just have to write this. Chris Martin from Coldplay said um, that they write like 40, 50 songs a week. Nobody's ever going to hear them. They're shit. Nobody, they're, they're awful. Yeah. But, but he needs to get them out to find the good ones. And it's exactly yeah. what you've got to, yeah. you've got to reach that creativity. Um, it doesn't matter what way, because even, even with the, before the zoom stuff, I was starting to do like more podcasts myself and interviews and stuff. And I was always, they were like, oh, would you like to perform something? And I was like, yeah, hundred percent because you just want to get it and move yeah. on, you know? You know, so yeah, yeah. I totally No, it's true, man. hundred percent true. And like, and like I talk about this in my Zoom show too. Like this is the product on Friday, but I have a pile, dude. I have a pile. If you look at my Instagram story of just crap plastic that I've been printing all week, like all different size arms and stuff. Like it was never working, man. And like by Thursday, I was pissed. You know, I was like, 
why do I feel so angry? <laughs> you know, like, and I'm realizing I'm putting so many hours into this, but, but then I let it go. And then today, for some reason, this little guy on the back here is balancing everything out. It's starting to work. And it's so rewarding, man. You know, I think that's the goal of life is to like to have the fruit of your labor, you know, to enjoy that fruit of your labor. And I'm glad I stuck it through. Um, uh, and I say that for the magicians that are staring at a pile of junk on the table right now, like and they have a great idea and they can't accomplish it. Accomplish it. You know, Thomas Edison always said what you need to invent is just a pile of junk and a good imagination. That's what he said. You know, the dude invented the light bulb. <laughs> yeah, very true. It'd be cool as well with that robot going across. The once you had the string out, I was immediately thought of cutting it in half, restoring it, and then have a robot to go across it to show that like it is. Damn, David! I have to like pay you or something. Ouch! <laughs> this was, That's an that, awesome idea. And you can use okay. the uh, the method for cutting the headphones as well as how you do it as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, oh I, my I god a, li a little that beats the applause card day. <laughs> yeah but the applause wow. card can he can carry the applause card to applaud you restoring the rope there you Dude, go I'm, and, and listen this is you just brought up a great point of what's wrong with magic and the magic community and i'll tell you what it is we're so afraid to share our ideas and i'm telling yeah. you there's like certain countries that have better magicians than others because they share more you know does that make sense it's like there's, you know, like if we shared Definitely. more, we that's how we got on the moon, man. You know, it's like we had to like bring a team, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I, mean, I, yeah, I realized that in the last couple of years, working with Dave as well with some of the stunts, like I can't, you you can't do some of the big scale stuff that we do on your own. You could, but you'd be you'd be dead. Yeah. You you'd be fucked. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, um, yeah. but you have to work with a crew. You've got to work with a team. I mean, I, I mean, I'd, I'd easily kill myself with some of the stupid shit that I do. So, <laughs> so I, I need people to go. No, no, man, you can't do that. You have to do it this way. Yeah. So, um, yeah. so you have to have a team. You know, Martin well, Scorsese said that too, man. Martin Scorsese said, um, you you don't need to be the best actor, the best videographer, the best editor to make the best movies. You just got to know them. You know, it's the same mm -hmm. thing. Yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah. Well, that you know. That, yeah, I mean, that's why you're great at what you do, you know? That's why you're great at what you do, Steve, you know? It's, yeah, you learn that lesson early on, you know? Because, yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah well, when you're coming up with stuff like the uh, the robot coming across and things like that, and you're talking about all the, the failed ones, is there anything that you worked on for so much that you just gave up on in the end? Yeah. So um, like three years ago, I love old Volkswagens. I have a Volkswagen bus. I built a Bradley GT. I don't know if, if you guys Google Bradley mm -hmm. GT, the kit car for Volkswagen. Um, oh. uh, and I snapped both these fingers. They got caught in the engine fan belt and uh, I had to get surgery. I was out for three months uh, and scary. I had to I had to sell my kit car to pay the bills for my house because everything rides on our live performance, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but anyway, I built Mr. Table. I built that. I built this guy with one hand for two months. I built it with one hand, like everything, sanded this, all the robotics, the 3D design. And I had this big dream in my head. Like, this is going to be a big part of my show. It's going to, it's going to, it has wheels. So it's, it was going to like, it was going to come on stage and deliver things, you know, Totally sucked on stage. It was terrible live. I, I spent like five shows trying to rewire it. Never worked well. Threw it under my bed. 
And now my first ever national published book, uh, you know, all, has this on the cover. Every Zoom show, I use Mr. Table. It comes back, you know, it comes yeah. back. And, and, and someone told me that a long time ago. They said to me, whatever talents you learn in your life is never a wasted talent. There's going to be a time in your life where you're going to need it. Trust me. Like, it's going to be a time where it's going to come back to you and you're going to be grateful that you learned it. And that goes with like wood carving for me, programming, uh, floral design. I was a florist. And and I was on HGTV this year for a competition show for crafting. I'm not a, I'm a magician, but what did I do? I realized, I realized that my brand, my magic show can be in a Christmas tree. It could be on a, on a, on a display of flowers. It could be on a tablescape. That was a big realization for me. It sounds stupid, but it would actually, it actually expanded my mind a little bit because I was like, damn, like I'm limiting myself. If you have your philosophy and you know who you are and you know why you're here, then you can create more, more businesses than where you're at. So, and I'm not talking about business, like making more money. I'm saying like freedom, that you have the freedom to get greater opportunities, yeah. you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you you lose that thing of being an artist if you're just in it for the money because it just becomes about being in it for the money. And then yeah. with the money, you become an artist again. But if you lose your your actual craft, you know, you might as well be wasting your time. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. And I think we all relearn that. And I'm speaking that for myself too. Like I've gone through seasons where I've had just amazing financial stuff. And and then you, you get cocky, you know, you get arrogant. And then like, you then everything starts stinking again. You know, you get humbled and, and then you try, you know, then you get back on rhythm. <laughs> Recently, you did the Penguin Live lecture, which uh, a lot of people might have uh, seen on Penguin. Uh, what? How did that come about? And what was that experience like filming all of that? Yeah. So Penguin Live, uh, they asked me to do a lecture, you know, and uh, it was while before COVID, you know, and I we were mulling it over and then COVID happened. And so you just it's like you got to use what you have, you know, so we're stuck yeah. in the attic. Uh, we need money. You know, we're trying to figure it out. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do my lecture virtually. We went to Ohio and it was amazing. Penguin treated us like family, like Eric mm -hmm. Tate with Penguin. The guy is so nice. Like he just it was just a great time. And, and it was tough because there's no live audience. It was a new format for them, too, where because of COVID and everything, we all had masks and shields. Dan Harlan was in a different room, you know, instead of being next to me. So, like, it was a different format. But it was very, like I was saying earlier, there was something freeing about it. Just letting go of all my material. Just let it go, you know? Like, this is my show. I was honest. I said, don't copy this stuff. This stuff you can. Um, but, you know, this is why I do what I do. And we won lecture of the year, you know, it was really amazing. Like I'm a children's performer, you know, that's so cool, you know. So, so uh, so it was so that was an exciting thing, you know, that happened. And so it was a it was a it was a really cool time. It it, it is true though what you're saying about, you know, you, you know, kind of um because we're in a, we're in a game of secrets, you know, our whole industry is based on secrets, a lifetime of secrets. And I mean, I know with modern day, you know, everyone's exposing everything for the sake of it on right. TikTok and everywhere right. else. But but I mean that's not you know, I'd like to see the same guy do two hours on stage. He'd die on his ass in 10 seconds. So <laughs> right. you know, he does flip stick and then he's fucked, you know. So um, <laughs> curtain closed, we're done. But, uh, right. but, but with that, you know, the, that kind of giving away those secrets and giving away stuff, it does let more in, you know. It definitely, I mean, I remember being on a master class for Paul Daniels years ago and he yeah. would have been you know, huge for us on this side of the world. And uh, and he said that, you know, he, he said, take your best trick in your show, take it out. And don't put it back into the next show 
and then take that next trick and you'll put a new one in and then take out that trick and then take it out and then keep taking out your best trick. And then at some point you'll have a show with all your best tricks. And now you've got a good show. Wow. I've never heard that before. That's yeah, amazing. So, like, so if you if you have six tricks in your show and you do that six times, then you've got a, an unbelievable show, you know, six shows down the road. Yeah. Wow. That's I never heard I like Paul Daniels is legendary. It's a really great story. I never and it makes so much sense. You know, it makes so much sense. And it's weird because I'm 41 and I feel like I'm learning how to do everything all over again. You know, so like these things of like hoarding. And when I and I when I reveal stuff, I'm not revealing the core principles of magic. For me, my my mission, my story is to say, hey, 3D printing changed my life. Microcontrollers changed my life. Programming changed my life because I can build whatever I imagine. And I show all the wires exposed for that reason. So it looks more homemade. So people can, so kids can feel confident in it. Um, uh, same with the chomper bots, the same thing. Like this is only, it's only two little motors. You know, you, you use duct tape, you know, but then at the end, what happens is you learn a magic trick and uh, and it and it comes to life and you can break down the code on the computer and see why the numbers work they do and with the delays and the weights and and uh, yeah so that's you know when I start thinking of it like that then I feel like I have more purpose when I'm on stage you know and I and I feel more we are we love when people are passionate about something it doesn't matter what it is we we are forced to get excited. Okay, that's the lesson, you know, yeah. like I've watched someone talk about stage lights for 20 minutes. I was getting mad at him at this one theater. And after 20 minutes, I'm like standing next to him. I'm like, holy crap, those are really amazing stage lights. You know, like, you know, it's like it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, We are addicted to passion. You know, that's what makes us great. That's how we innovate. Yeah. You know? Definitely. And we're just coming up on 40 minutes there. So I'm going to ask you the question, which is the good, the bad and the ugly which is basically a story about a performance or something where it started off good, went a bit bad, maybe ended up a complete disaster. Well, I, I do want to say that um, I heard the passing of David, you know, uh, of David Roth, you know, the, yeah. the legend, you know, and, uh, and uh, you know, I, it's a, it's a heartbreaking thing because it happened last night. And, um, but man, what joy he's brought into the world, you know, with all his coin work and the way he's changed lives yeah. to take something yeah. so simple as a coin, you know, we're in a world of card guys, you know, <laughs> like, and yeah. this guy's standing with a coin, you know, 100%. and he's doing the same 100%. impact with just a coin, you know? So when I first got David Roth's books, like it was life changing for me. And the reason why I bring it up is because every Zoom show now, one of the highlights of my show is the karate coin, you know, and that was in his book, you know, and where you take the coin, you toss it, and then you karate chop it, you know, and it's on your finger. Um, uh, so anyway, I, it's been a staple. Like I told him years ago, you know, how much that trick means to me and how much it's changed me um, in my show. And uh, so anyway, I do have a bad and ugly version of it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's still, you know, in my show, but I did a kid's show, a birthday party, and I'm not lying. This was for Ragu, the tomato sauce company, like a really big uh, sauce company. It was like for the CO and their kids, you know. It was up on this high building in Manhattan, like, you know, like 46th floor, you know. And I'm in this living room. And here I am with all these kids. And they were, these kids were terrible, man. They were like throwing stuff before I started, you know, like I knew it was a mess. Like I took my tape out. I'm like putting it on the floor. This is the line. Long story short, I get up. 
and I have the karate coin. I'm so excited. Here's the moment. They're all going to pay attention. I throw it in the air. I don't catch it. I smack it. It goes into the audience. And there's a kid. And it smacks him into the head. Like, just dead smack. Like, it was like a heavy coin. And I'm, and he goes like this, you know? And I'm just like, oh. And, like, and, 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 and there was like a red half moon, like, on his forehead. Like, it was that bad, dude. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. Like, this is over. Like, I'm screwed. This is so bad. And you could see him cry, like almost to cry, you know? And I forget his name, but right off the bat, I was like, oh my God. I'm like, I need a helper right now. Someone who's excited. Someone, and you know, and I see him, he's about to cry. And I just grab his hand. I'm like, come on up here, you know? And we did the sponge balls together. And you know, all the sponges exploded in his hand and he was laughing. And I I'm, I sweated more that day, you know, it's like, I need somebody, I need somebody semi unconscious. I need somebody. Uh, you. <laughs> so that's my good, the bad and the ugly. And you know what? In heaven above to David Roth, giant in our community, man. You know, thank you for all you do, David. I mean, just powerful uh, performer. And talk about who you are and why are you here? He stuck to his guns, always being a center with a very specific kind of magic. And it was definitely, uh, definitely inspired me. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. And uh, de definitely uh, sending out our condolences to his family and as well for uh, Siegfried who died this week as well. So it's yeah, a uh, tough week yeah. for magic, but yeah, that's right. definitely two uh, icons in the business, definitely uh, there. Yeah. But yeah, uh, and any advice for someone who wants to get into kids' magic, don't throw coins at kids' heads. Stay <laughs> <laughs> away from the karate coin. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> When you were mentioning when you were mentioned that it was for uh, Ragu the company, uh, when you were saying the kids were like throwing stuff around the place, I just imagined them like throwing jars of tomato sauce at you and throwing <laughs> tomatoes and whatever. I was like, this is gonna be. They a were, and it felt like that. It definitely was like there's, you know, when there's a, you man, when you do this full time, you just there's gonna be gigs where there's only five people there, you know, and yeah. you just, you know, it's humbling, you know. So that was definitely one of those days where like I was definitely humble. Yeah, and somebody's in the comments just says Mario. So oh, great, great, amazing! What's up, dude? He's a great magician. That's awesome. Nice to see you on here. And uh, just before we uh, finish up, I think a question that a lot of people might have in their heads, as someone who travels around with the delicate robots, do you have any tips for car for transporting them so they don't end up in bits by the time you get to your venue? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, yep. There's definitely an art form to pack and stuff. I use a lot of foam, man. Like I have custom cut foam everywhere <laughs> and things break. And, uh, I, you know, I, on another podcast, we could talk about I have a maker space in a backpack, meaning every single tool I need, I could set up on a hotel desk, soldering iron, everything, like even 3D printer that I have that's portable. I have it pro, I have it down to a science so because i've broken so much crap you know just you know how it is you guys steve you know you tore you know it's like crazy you know so when, so when uh, we had bizarro one bizarro was on with us there before uh, around halloween and uh, he said the same thing he, like he can fix anything with a glue gun and duct tape <laughs> so, yeah i'm yeah. with bizarro he knows the dude knows he's a true maker that guy's awesome <laughs> absolutely that's the advice and that's another reason why you should learn to build the stuff yourself because then you can fix it yourself. Boom. And that's very Nailed yeah. it. 
we've all had gimmicks break on us right before a show. <laughs> when when you're when you're mid, I mean, I, I I kind of if I is there a certain gimmick I always use, I always buy like two or three of them. And then when you're busy, yeah. I used to have like three. A tip for anyone that that uh, buy three props that you're using all the time if you're gonna use them. If it's part of your set, buy loads of them. I used to buy like three briefcases, so I wouldn't even have to reset for the next one. I just grab another briefcase wow. and I'm into wow. my next show. And then, yeah. then you can reset when you go home, and it's you know, and it's kind of fun just to reset because as you reset, you might come up with something new. Yeah, that's genius, Steve. Dude, that's such a good idea. Have a second. It's already reset, done, boom. Because that's my struggle, man. Like for me as a performer, dude, I can set up in 10 minutes a big stage show. It takes me three hours to clean up, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> that's my problem. <laughs> yeah. K chaos, man. Absolutely. So I, I just like to say thank, thanks to Mario for being here. And uh, we really appreciate you coming in. Um, and just one question there again came in from Gray Amazing. Uh, to all three of you, one word for this new year 2021. So that's a good thing to finish up on. Uh, I'll, I guess I'll go first. Uh, vaccine. That's my one word. Good one. That's a good one. I, I, I would say I would say flexibility. Definitely. And creativity. Boom. Ba boom. Vaccine flexibility and creativity. That's the way to go. Again, thanks so much, everyone, for being here. Thank you, Mario. And uh, do you want to promote anything while you're here? People can follow you on social media and all that stuff. Yeah, uh, Mario the Magician, MarioTheMagician.com. Um, I got this is my first ever book. I've never had a book in my life. Uh, all my best lesson plans for kids, I use them in Zoom, are in this book. Uh, MarioTheMagician.com, you can get that. The Chomper Bot kit is on there. So you'll see all the robots. If you ever want to get into robotics, we have kits and stuff. And also, just a big thank you, man. Thank you to both you guys for having me. It's an honor to be with you guys. You know, I just had a great time. So good, Absolutely. man. Thanks, Thanks so much. And we'll definitely have you back on again, whatever you want to talk about, whenever. Oh, awesome. Absolutely. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> Thanks so much, guys. You can follow us at the Steve Reality and the Steve Reality Ireland.com and all that good stuff. So thanks again, and we'll talk to you again next week. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Good luck. <laughs>